Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is the celebrated interior designer, Gail M. Davis. Gail infuses her designs with a refreshing air of lively elegance. For more than a decade, she's forged a blazing path in the interior design industry, following a successful career in fashion at Saks Fifth Avenue. She studied at New York School of Interior Design and honed her craft interning at the legendary firm of Bunny Williams, Inc. and the prestigious David Kleinberg Design Associates. Today, her projects can be seen in the tri-state area as well as on the West Coast. She has been featured in House Beautiful, AD Pro, Domino Magazine, Design Sponge, and more. Gail is lauded for her timeless traditional style with a hint of modernity. She also hosts her own podcast, Design Perspectives with Gail M. Davis. Without further ado, welcome Gail M. Davis. Well, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. (laughs) Of course, of course. It's a real honor. I only recently have gotten into design and architecture, and my girlfriend introduced me to Domino. And so it's like a huge honor to have someone who's been featured in Domino because that's that's my Bible. Like, I just always feel really good flipping through the pages of Domino. Nice. Thank you so much. I lo- yeah, Domino's fun. Domino. <laughs> yeah, it's just so peaceful. And every time I'm on Instagram and I see something beautiful, I post, I'm like, oh, I want to I just save everything because I'm like, I want my place to eventually look like this place. It's, it's oh, so and it nice. can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we always like to start with uh, something that's recently sparked our curiosity. For me, it's actually a TV show that I was watching a couple weeks back. I started it, and then it's it's taken on even more meaning uh, in the past week, uh, which is hashtag Black AF, which is Kenya Barris's new show. Mm-hmm. And I had seen I'd seen Blackish, I had seen Grownish, and this just feels like he's getting to say all his unfiltered thoughts. He's not on broadcast anymore. He's on Netflix, right. and it just feels really real. And I just watched this episode last night where he's talking he he has this comical moment where he's gathered Lena Waithe and Issa Rae and and yes. a, a few of his friends right he has a few of his friends and they're they're having this conversation about can we critique you know a fellow black artist and uh and they, I don't want to spoil too much of it but it's really funny and it's hilarious and then, it's hilarious and then later in that same episode he talks to Tyler Perry about about the, the same topic and mm-hmm. since that episode I've also heard him in a conversation with Elvis Mitchell and he's like I don't I don't necessarily love all of Tyler's work but he's a friend and I respect him and he's a mentor to me and I do like some of his work and and it was just really cool to to see how he distilled that um every episode explores something really profound but in a in a way that is accessible and for me kind of fun like Kenya Barris is a hilarious dude and to see him act for the first time is mm-hmm. also really cool and I just think, you know, all the cast on that show is really funny. Like, oh, the little amazing, kid, phenomenal. The, the, young, the youngest kid on that show makes me laugh so hard. Uh, but yeah, and then Rashida Jones is just ageless. Like, I, do, I don't know how, like, I looked at a photo of her from when she was on Parks and Rec. And I just, there's no difference. It's crazy. No, no so, I love I that series. It was hilarious. Yeah. And my husband and I watched it. And then, um... I had my brothers watch it, but I've watched it several times because it's just, it just resonates and speaks to me so much. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So if, if anybody's looking for something to watch, I think, uh, I think this is definitely worth watching. And, you know, I'm on social media a lot now and I'm just scrolling through and people are, you know, very kindly posting resources that we can all, we can all check out. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
this is this is definitely like it not all resources necessarily have to be super grim and i think this is one where you can where you can actually get serious topics i'm a i, I want to be a comedy writer so i'm a big fan of like communicating serious topics but and finding a humorous angle to capture people right. and i think can can you just knocked it out of the park yes i agree 100 100 yeah so what's what's something that's recently captured your curiosity oh my god um there's been so much that's been going on um and i'm trying to think of something light i think it what has captured my curiosity um is the amount of followers that i'm now getting on instagram due to this um to the death of george floyd and um now the dialogue has started on race relations and i i'm like excited and i find it fascinating and i'm just super open about it that has really it's um, it's crazy because the amount of people that are coming on following me and then they're like you know i want to talk i want to listen yeah. i just think it's amazing like finally we are here so yeah that's what's got my attention right now i'm trying to make it light but i was like this is it's consumed me since all of this has happened so yeah i mean so you have found in the past week or two like mm -hmm. have people have people who you maybe weren't in contact with for a while have they have they started reaching out yeah um it's interesting people that i know in the design industry that would normally be like oh hey whatever now yeah. are like let's get together what is your cell phone number can i text you i mean can, yeah. you know, can we talk they're dming me um it's just really wild that this is what it has taken for us to have a conversation. Um, yeah. But it's super interesting, and I just want to keep the dialogue open. But yeah, yeah hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you have you found? I, I've seen a lot of really awesome lists where it's like you know, black women in wine, for example, and you find all these awesome people who I I I haven't seen on the shelves recently near me, and I'm sure they'll start. Their wines will right. start populating on the shelves near me as a result. So have you found like uh, other other people in your space who you may have not been aware of as a result? Well, you know what? No, honestly, um, because the community is so small, uh, we make sure we network a lot with each other. And I'm yeah. actually a part of uh, Bad Guild, which is the Black Artists Design Guild. Um, and so that connects us as well. And I think as a person of color, you always want to know who is in your, like you always want to know people of color that are entrepreneurs, that are striving, that are educators, that are philanthropists, like you want to know all of them. So that's just something that I've always, like I, I would be like, oh, okay, I learned about that person, now I'm learning more. Um, and just like, you know, black women who uh, create wine, it's, it's as a person of color, you always have to know who everybody else is. That's always been um, something that has been ingrained in me from, you know, my childhood. Yeah. Uh, just so you have an ally and so you can cheer each other on, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there anything that, um, you know, people who are now who are now starting to pick up on these resources? 
Is there something that maybe we haven't quite seen widespread that you think is really important for people to start picking up on? Uh, that we're just as talented, if not more, some of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's 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 be real here. Um, I have counterparts who, um, their work is just beige, and it's just it's like one hit. There's not any layers and dimension and texture to it. And meantime, they, they get in all these amazing shelter magazines, like they get covers, they get several pages. And then you have people of all ethnicities who are way more talented, who infuse color, who has a, who have a lot of depth and layer and texture, you know, a lot of nuances in their work. And they get like a corner blurb down at the bottom. Yeah. So just it's just super interesting to finally have all of this get noticed. Um, but yeah, I I am excited. I'm excited that I feel like this is the generation that will finally move the needle forward into the 21st century. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm and hopefully. You know, you guys are getting covers of Domino, not just that corner corner. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I want to I want to ask you about your background. I, you know, as I was reading your bio, you you had mentioned that you started in fashion, and yes. so I, I'm really curious how you, you know, your journey in fashion and how you decided that you wanted to transition to interior design. Okay, so that's really fun. So I've always been in the fashion industry. I was a garmental girl, and then from there I landed on the executive to floor at Saks Fifth Avenue working for at the time. She was the um, was the executive vice president and director of stores. So there were four of them you would get. And at that time, I think Saks had like 51 stores. So each director had like 10, nine to like 11 stores, whatever it was. And um, I worked for her. She got promoted. She ended up being president of all fifth. And so I went with her eventually over there because at first she didn't think that I should go with her because she didn't feel I was strong enough to be her assistant. Um, and then I ended up there, she came back, got me. And I just realized that I, I wasn't happy anymore. Like everybody glorifies fashion, but <clears throat> what you don't realize there's a lot of work and nastiness that goes on the other side of that. And so if you watch The Devil Wears Prada, that was my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, so and was like, oh, that's so amazing. I was like, no, like you're literally crying every day. And yeah. um, you just, you know, it was just enough for me. So I remember um, always being so fearful, like just afraid of things. And uh, she, my boss received this plaque from a friend as a gift and it said, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? And for me, it just took, failure from underneath it and I just felt free and I was like you know what I go back to school for interior design um and I was like okay so one of the visual people like oh you should look into New York School of Interior Design I was like I went to FIT I'm going back to FIT well lo and behold FIT's waiting list to get into their interior design program was like two three years oh my goodness and yeah and I was like well I don't have that time and then also you had to be full-time and you could not work 
and I'm married. We had just bought this amazing house out in the suburbs of New Jersey, and that was not an option not to work. So I looked into the School of New York. I looked into New York School of Interior Design, and they had this certificate program. I think it was like a year. Um, yes, it was one year, just to see if this is what you would want. And I got accepted into that. And then um, from there, I just I took one course. I absolutely loved it. Um, oh, and before I go any further, so I said, I went in the next day when I decided this is my plan. And I said to my boss, hey, do you mind if I leave on Tuesdays or Wednesdays at five o'clock so I can get uptown to go take this course? And her response was, well, you have a career. Like this is, this is what you're doing. You don't have time to go back to school. I was like, what, oh. what? Okay, all right. So I came home that night, I told my husband, oh, I, I resigned, which I didn't. But when I went in the next day, I did. Because <laughs> I thought to myself, no one's going to tell me what I can do with my life. So I resigned. I took off that summer. And then that September, I started. And just, you know, I took one course. And it was so interesting. Everybody thinks design is so, like, beautiful and, you know, it's so fun. And you're spending people's money and you're going to lunch and you're shopping but they don't see the real work that you have to do. Um, so it was interesting because I was one of 12 women who were in, in my class. And out of those 12, only three of us stayed all the way to the very end to get our degrees. Um, because a lot of them was like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. This is, this is a lot of work. Oh, I thought this was just gonna be like matching colors. But what it is, is you're one year shy of architecture school your first four years in design school. And then from there, you can go on to do other things, but you have to, you know, design is not just putting together pretty colors, furniture and paint and wallpaper. It's about what's, can the room stand on its own without any decoration? So you need to know what's going on behind the walls and in the floors and what's electrical and, you know, what is up to code and what isn't and just how to make a space function so whoever lives there can really enjoy it or whoever uses the space can really enjoy it um, and be free to live their life. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's so interesting. We've had an architecture on the podcast, too. And it's it's interesting with these design fields, how, you know, as a consumer, I just see the final product and I'm like, oh, that's so pretty. That's so nice. Yeah. And on <laughs> your end, you have to be aware of so much more like the codes, for example. That's that's a whole headache in and of itself sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like when people go in and you see uh, two things, like when they flip houses, they're like, oh, we're just going to do this. And I'm like, nope, nope, that's not up to code. And nope, nope, that's not what you're supposed to do. I'm like, no, it'll be fine. I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you. Um, and it's crazy. I just did a walkthrough down the street for me. I met the guys who purchased it. And like, oh, come in and see what we did. And from like the basement to the fourth floor, I showed them everything that they did wrong. They're like, oh my God. I was like, yeah, like you want this price? You're not gonna get it and here's why. <laughs> and they're like, oh my I, goodness. Yeah, they were like, oh my God. I said, and I was like, first off the front doors, they don't match the house. Like spend the money, get the doors, you'll get it back. They added a deck to a house that clearly should have had a patio. Um, but it's super interesting because I think people watch HGTV and then they're like, oh, I could do that. That's perfect. Let's do it. And as a designer and as an architect, you cringe 
when you see what they're doing, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> And no, I can't do your house in three days for a thousand dollars. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there's a lot that you you learned in school, and I'm wondering if you had any surprises coming out of school when you when you started, you know, working at firms. Yes. So the biggest surprise. Is, so anyone who's listening who thinks they want to be a designer, one, go to school. You know, even if you just take a couple of courses, so you know. Um, and then also work for someone who has their own business. Cut your teeth on someone else's business because going out on your own, you're going to make mistakes. But when you make some of these mistakes, they're going to hit your pocket really hard. And I don't think people realize that. And you also need insurance. I don't know why everybody thinks they can just have a business or they can say they're, they're in business, they're a designer, and really they're just a decorate, as I like to call them, or a PP decorator, which is a paint pillow decorator. Um, and have no insurance, no business skills, no acumen that way to know. Uh, the biggest lessons that I've learned, one is the insurance. Oh, Betty, yet, number one really is, even though you're in a big project, you need to know that project is going to come to an end. You need to line up your projects so the money doesn't stop. Hmm. Because you can have that project come to an end. You're like, oh my God, that was so great. And you're like, wait, I don't have any work. So then now the hustle begins again. So you need to make sure that you have several irons in the fire and that projects are overlapping. So it's a consistent mm -hmm. thing. And you also need to have a plan of attack of like, how do you want to grow your business and where you want to go with it? It can't just be like, oh, this is a big project. This is what I'm going to focus on. And then nothing. Like, do you want your, do you want to go from being a solopreneur to having a staff to having a team? Or do you want to be like me and then have a couple of people on your team when projects are going and then disperse again until, you know, the next project? It's, it's, you have to be mindful. And you have to understand that when you take money from people, you're a business. They don't care that you're creative. You're in business and you have to be super respectful of people's dollars. Right. So to the to your first point about lining up gigs, how do you how do you do that? Like, is it just as your point? Is it you have the recognition and the network? And I'm wondering, maybe somebody who's who's uh, just starting their business, maybe how how would you suggest somebody do that? Well, you have a lot of networking events you have to go to. And even if you are a shy person, like um, an introvert, like some friends that I have, you still have to be out there and put yourself out there to meet people. Um, I have other design friends who have larger firms than I do. And I have a very dear friends who, um, two women together, they're moms, and one of them is in a mom group. So that consistently brings in money for them because, mm. you know, the kids get together and then the moms are like, oh, we're buying a house or, oh, this needs to be renovated. Um, for me, it's, finding other busy professionals. Um, I seem to have a knack for bachelors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really I, saw the, I, saw, I saw the bachelor pad on your website. Yeah, <laughs> and your I have portfolio. Yeah. yeah, I have another two coming up, which is super <laughs> funny for me. I haven't, so I think like my, my niche is bachelors. Yeah. Um, 
or recently, you know, recently divorced men too is another thing because they just like, they had a wife who took care of everything and now they're like, what do I do? Where do I go? So um, I'm like, okay, you come to me and I take care of everything. Open up, you know, tell me what you want. Give me the money. Let me get it done for you. Um, yeah. So you have to put yourself in those places. And once you find out what gravitates towards you, um, make sure this is, you know, what you love. Like for me, working with the um, with people that want to be involved, like sometimes I'll meet women, they're like, oh, we need a designer. And I'm like, okay, we'll go through everything. And then come to find out they themselves want to be a, des a designer, but they want, they want me to do the work, but they want to do the work with me. And I'm like, no, this is why you hired me. Like, yes, I'll present, I'll do a presentation, but I'm not going to be shopping 24 seven. Like I'm shopping one time, doing the presentation, you sign off on it and on I go, you know, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, come back and show you these fabrics. And then you're not going to like, you like, go shop more. That's not how it works because that's just a waste of time for both of us. And it doesn't get done. So yeah, you just need to know who your people are, but you definitely need to always put yourself in a, uh, position of having conversations about um, what you do. And it always comes up inevitably, you know, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I make people's homes, you know, a, a warmer place to live, or um, I'm for busy, I work for busy professionals doing concierge level design. They're like, what, what do you mean by that? And I was like, well, there are people that are so busy, they don't have time. So I set everything up for them to turn key. So when they walk in, it's all done. They could just take a shower, put on their pajamas and chill and go to bed. They can entertain immediately, whatever it may be that they want, they want to do. I love that. I love that because if somebody told me that, that stands out way more than just saying like, I'm an interior designer, but you actually, you actually are kind of telling a mini story in, in your own, in how you communicate what you do, which I really like. Cause Thank it goes you. beyond, it goes beyond just, I'm an interior designer. And it's like, okay, cool. I, I do this. Great. Um, and that that like got me really super engaged and super excited, and to to the point to the point of how you how you work with clients. Could you walk me through just the you know I was looking on your website just the process from A to Z of kind of starting with a client until the project's finished. Okay, so I I do the uh, exploratory call right just to see what they're really needing. And then if it seems like, okay, this is really going to, this is really designed. This is a big project. This is not just decorating. Or this is a, a whole, like their living room, their dining room, whatever it is. Um, okay, fine. So then next I set up a consultation, which is a paid consultation and you get me for up to two hours. And we walk through the space. You can walk me through the whole entire house and like, well, I know this is what we're talking about, but I want you to see everything. So we do that. And then nine times out of 10, I all, well, I always walk with my contract when I go to people's homes, because when you're mm -hmm. there, you just need to be ready to move forward if that's what it's going to be. So then after that, they sign the contract and they give me the retainer, the deposit. And for like four to four to five weeks, I'm, it's just silent. But each week I'm sending an email going, Hey, this is what's going on. So this way they know. So there's a trade day that I set up with them that once they sign the contract, I have all of, there's a day or two that I have all of my trades come in. So my electrical, my plumbing, my painters, um, my upholstery team, my custom furniture people, 
my wallpaper crew, I have everyone coming through because I already know what I want to do to the space because we've been working on this and I get estimate. So once I get all of that done, um, then I go shopping for how the space is supposed to be, what I need it to look, you know, to be the finished pro product. After all of that, at the end of those four to five weeks, I go to the client, okay, be prepared, you know, give us a date that works for you. We set up a date for presentation. I, uh, either they come to my office or I go to them. I set out the presentation. I show them the floor plan, the empty floor plan. And I talk about everything that we discussed, right? Because there's a, um, I, let me just backtrack. There's a questionnaire that they fill out. So I understand colors they love, if they're an outdoor person, if they love sitting fireside, like whatever it is, because I need to take all of what they're telling me into the thought process to make that room feel that way or that house to feel that way. Um, I do the presentation. I walk them through the floor plan, which is empty. Then I take them through the furniture plan to show them everything. And they're like, oh, okay. And then as the furniture is, the furniture plan is there, I have all the furnishings, the pieces, the colors, the textures, like whatever it is laying out next to it. And I'm walking them through the space. They're like, okay, I get it. At the end of that, and they're looking at all of, there's a pamphlet, a booklet that I give them, a binder with all the furniture pieces. After all of that, at the end is the total of how much everything costs. Mm -hmm. They write the check. I take it, deposit it. I call all my vendors, everything, set everything up, pay everything. Then now my tradespeople are now coming back. They're doing the floors, they're doing the electrical, they're doing the plumbing, whatever it is they're supposed to do. And then I have an install day or installation days. Normally it's like two or three days, depends on if it's a whole house or what's going on. Or if it's a room, it's a day. And I bring all of that in at one time and I set it up with my team. So then when the client comes back home and they open the door, it's done. So I walk them through everything to show them, this is what it is. Here's this. Remember, we talked about that. Ooh, we had a little problem with that, but remember I switched it out for this. And then I give them their own binder, to, mm -hmm. which is like a care instruction binder. Mm -hmm. So if something spills somewhere or something is damaged, they know how, who to call or how to clean it up. And that's it. That's awesome. That's it. So that's how I operate. The care binder reminds me of like on your, on a clothing, like the washing instructions, but I love yes. that it's for your home. It's for your yeah. home, which is so important. It's so important. It we don't have that for our home. We have to figure that out on our own. And it's so nice that you actually take the time to do that. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, it's super important because, you know, everybody wants beautiful stuff in their house, but I, I design where you can have extreme beauty but it's not so precious that when your friends and family or your kids are in the room, you're like, no, don't go there. Like you have to live in your space. It can't be a museum. It's a, it's your home. Right. You know? so. Right. So, so creatively, once you, you know, once you're given the assignment by the client, what kind of sources of inspiration are you looking to? What's going through your head as you've now been given the assignment? Um, I'm really thinking about how I want the space to feel for them. I, the best way to describe it is 
you know how you save up money to go away on vacation and you're like, oh, we're going to Hawaii or we're going to Fiji or wherever you're going. You're like, we're going to Barcelona. It's going to be amazing. And you look forward to that. I feel like that's how your house should feel every day. It should feel like when you, how you can't wait to go away on vacation, like you're rushing. I want it to be like end of day. I can't wait to get home because it's just amazing that when you put that key in and you turn it and you step in that you are transported and that immediately you feel relaxed, you feel rejuvenated and you're like, oh, you know, friends and family are coming over. I have friends who come over. Now I'm in New Jersey and I'm initially from Long Island and I have friends when they visit and, you know, they go back home to visit their family in New York. They will stay at my house as opposed to going and staying with their family. And I'm like, why? They're like, because it's so beautiful and peaceful here. And I always feel like I'm away on vacation. So it's super hilarious. And when people enter, they're like, it just feels so peaceful. And that's how I feel. You know, that's that's my intent when I design for folks. You know, whether it's in the li- you're in your living room, I can make a place where there's a game table. I can, you know, have a little a place where you sit fireside. I have another place where you could do puzzles. Like you have to make it all inclusive and amazing, but you have to make it to the people's lifestyle, you know, useful to the people's lifestyle. Yeah. When we spoke with the architect, he mentioned like one of the challenges because he had a somewhat similar process with with his clients was you might ask what the client's looking for and he would direct them to house. I don't know. House might mm-hmm. not be as much of an interior design resource, but he would he recommends clients check out house and pick out some photos uh, that resemble the thing that they're going for. And sometimes what happens is you'll get like, you know, a Spanish colonial, you'll get a mid-century modern, you'll get all these different styles and you have to be like, so we can't do that. You have to pick one style. And that's right. kind of an example of a challenge that he sometimes faces with clients. Is there, is there kind of a common challenge you can think of that you, that sometimes pops up when you're working with clients? And could you talk a little bit about how you navigate through that? Well, yes, there's, you know, you have people that go, well, I like this, I like that. And, you know, I like this type of, of texture or I like this color or the best is, um, <laughs> it's always budget. Yeah. People want a multi-million dollar look, but for like $10. <laughs> and then <laughs> you have to be like, okay, so this is this is where we are. This is what you want. And let me be transparent with how much it's going to cost. And they're like, oh, but I thought it would be this much. And I'm like, no, um, here's where you should really be spending your money. And for me, it's, I always tell them your window treatment is going to be a big ticket item. Um, your furniture, sofas are so important. And people are like, no, no, they're really not. I was like, if there's a storm and there's a blackout and your fireplace is the only place that you can get heat. You need a sofa where you can lay out and be comfortable and sleep through the night, as opposed to some stupid chair or, you know, you can have your chair with your ottoman and all that's gotta be super comfortable. But people who use love seats, I'm like, oh my God, they need to be banished. You know, (laughs) you need to be able to lay out. Um, So furniture for me is a big deal that I won't budge on, especially a sofa. But I feel Mm -hmm. like, other things you could do high low and make it work 
so that's always a challenge. But once they get it, then they're like, oh, okay. Because then once down the road, you'll get a text or an email. They're like, oh my God, I have to tell you. I love, I love that sofa or the drapery, the way you, you know, pulled it all together. That's really amazing. Thank you. Just, I'm so happy, but it's, it's, it's navigating and educating people on how much things really cost and you get what you pay for it. Like, yes, your cousin, you know, Jeff can possibly be your electrician or your cousin Jeff can sand the floors, but you know, we're going to have to work around his schedule and how many beers are you going to have to buy him to get him to the house, <laughs> to lure him to get it done. And then look, Jeff didn't do such a great job. And now you're like, oh, we should have got your guy from the beginning. I was like, yes. So I also <laughs> don't budge on my people. That's the other thing. It's always like, there's a reason why I have a team because I know their, their work ethic. I know how they do things and the level of, of uh, detail that they offer that, you know, your cousin Jeff won't or your aunt Deb who makes, <laughs> who can make drapery. <laughs> this sounds like my family. This is incredible. Because, um, <laughs> you so know, your family, they'll be like, no, no, I could do that. Don't pay them. I'll do it for yeah. you. And then, like, you're chasing them down to get it done. Then when they do it, you're like, wow, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my dad's an engineer, so he, he likes to first try to see if he can pull from his own people. And we're always like, no, just get go go to this person that yeah. we know is good and yeah, yeah. Just so, be done. so I'm, exactly exactly so if somebody's listening to this and feels really inspired to make some changes in their home and they'd like to seek the help of an interior designer do you have any advice for how to find the right person to design your space yes you need to find somebody whose aesthetic you love that's not like yours. Mm -hmm. It's important that when you hire an interior designer, one that you really understand their process um, and that you're not trying to overtake their process. But two, know that if you hire the right interior designer, they're going to push you outside of your comfort zone and take your, take your what you want to the next level. And that's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize when they're looking for designers. They're like, well, I just want them to shop here. I'm like, if you get the right designer, they have a vast amount of resources that where your, your home can go from here to here. And why wouldn't you want that? You know, right. you need to be able to, they're not there to be your best friend. They're there to just really show you how beautiful and how warm your home can be. Um, and that you just have to be open-minded. You can't be so closed-minded that you only want everything beige and white and gray. You know, you have to let them introduce other colors because we live with color. We walk mm -hmm. through nature. We step outside, there's green grass, blue skies, brown trees, red, you know, like all these different colors and you love that allow the right person, the right designer, who's not afraid of color to infuse that into your home. You need to just be more open-minded than to go to your local strip mall and to walk into all these box stores and work with these people who are only going to do gray across the, the board, you know, across the, the, the board here and work with people outside who this is what they really do. 
they're not going to make your, your home look like a showroom or look like the store that they're in, but they're going to make your home be a a true representation of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was really fortunate where a while back I was able to have a friend who's in the space help me out with my room. And I sent, you know, some stuff I found on Pinterest and I was just like, here's, here's what I think might, might be something I'd enjoy. And that person came back with recommendations that were a little outside the box. And I was like, I don't know about that, but I, I, you know, I was like, this person knows what they're doing. I'm going to trust them. They've taken my inspiration and take it to the next level and I'm going to roll with it. And it turned out pretty well and I'm pretty happy with my space now. So I think, I think what you're saying really resonates with me. And just on that topic of aesthetic, I want to ask you before we go into some of our fun rapid fire questions, you know, you describe your aesthetic as a, a timeless traditional style with a hint of modernity. For somebody like me, who's like very much a novice with design, <laughs> what does that mean in layman's terms? And, <laughs> and, uh, and, how, and how do you think you, you gravitated toward that style? So what it means is the look that I design for my clients will always be fresh. How about that? Cool. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just means that I have a very, what I didn't say in that, and I probably have to reword it. I have a very strong masculine hand when it comes to design. It's very layered. Um, it's very thoughtful. And it's very, it's curated. But I like to mix traditional, like work with whatever the client has, have some traditional pieces in there, and then add some modern flares to it. So this way, if you come back 10 years from now, if you come back 15 years from now, if you come back 20 years, it's always fresh. Like there's a little bit of tweaking you may have to do, but it's not like clearing out the room or clearing out the space going, we have to get rid of everything and start over. I love that. That reminds me of sometimes I'll flip through GQ and they'll list every piece that's on the person wearing it. And sometimes, you know, if it's somebody super big or has such a cool piece, like, for example, you'll see Paul McCartney and then they'll be like jacket, Armani, whatever, and then watch his own. Yeah. And that that sounds like, you know, those are always the most interesting and cool and engaging spreads for me is like, oh, that that looks that person looks like they feel good in this moment yeah. and they look cool. And I'll go back to it five years later and be like, damn, they still look cool. Yeah. And, and so that reminds me of, of your process where you keep some, some keystone pieces that the person is attached to and then work around their preferences that way. So that it's a fresh look, but it still feels authentic to their preferences. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I love that. I love that. So we'll just, we'll just wind it down with some fun, rapid fire questions what's an app that you can't live without <laughs> planally <laughs> <laughs> what is planally i've never i've never heard of it planally helps me set up my instagram feed so i can get all my content put it in this graph put the captions do the hashtags and then set the day and the time that i want it to post oh i gotta get on that that's fantastic <laughs> it is oh so much easier um, so you can plan it out for months in advance, which I don't think you should do, but at least you can do it for like two, three weeks at a time. Be like, okay, you set up the grid. You're like, okay, this, this is curated. This reads well. And then just go in, do your captions and then say, okay, uh, for me, I only post three days a week, which is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it's always at 7am. And so I have that set up, but it shows you too, 
the peak times that you should choose. So it helps you. So once you're, you decide, okay, I'm going to do noon every day. I'm going to do two o'clock or I'm going to do five o'clock in the evening, whatever it is. That's when, you know, people will be looking and it automatically posts for you. And it gives you like a, 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 not a warning, but Hey, a heads up just to confirm this is posting at this time, or this has already posted. So this way, you know, so now you can go in and respond to people who are following you or, you know, engage with new followers um and chat with them but yeah planally p-l-a-n-o-l-y is something i cannot look without <laughs> i'm going to download it right after this conversation that is fantastic <laughs> um who would you like to play you in a movie about your life viola davis <laughs> that's pretty great pretty great um if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability what would it be I I sketch and it's like eh. I would love to flawlessly sketch and be able to draw like a lot of my designer friends where they can do that room that I'm thinking in 3D. Mm. I would love to learn how to draw like really good, not like a 5-year-old, but yeah. like someone who's seasoned and knows. Yeah, I work in a writer's room and we had a colorist who actually like came up doing uh, comic books, a graphic artist. And there's a difference between somebody who's doodling and somebody who actually yeah. <laughs> can do it for sure. Yeah. Uh, two more questions. Where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Sweden. I want to go to at him, this uh, hotel that's designed by um, Ilsa Crawford really beautiful that's awesome i have a running list on my phone of dream destinations but below that dream hotels because i just i'll scroll and i'll see something on condenas traveler and i'll be like oh my goodness that's incredible yeah i hope to make it there at some point uh, and then lastly what's your jam what's a song you like to jam to oh my god okay so it's macklemore's can't hold us <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so corny, but whenever I'm feeling down or I'm going into a meeting, like there's a challenge, I just, I get it, especially if I'm driving somewhere, I get in my car and like I blast it. I roll up the windows and I blast it. <laughs> I drive past I'm like, this woman is crazy. And I'm just like jamming and I'm singing and my arms are flailing. Like, you know, I'm just really feeling That's it. That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. And then where can people find you on social media or online? Social media across the board and online, it's all at Gail, G-A-I-L, Davis Designs, plural, uh, dot com. Instagram, everything is Gail Davis Designs. So I just make it easier. Amazing. And if you're listening and you'd like to check out the pod, you can do that at HDYD pod. Thank you so much, Gail. This was so fun. This was really informative and insightful, and I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ben. I appreciate this.